right, and we are back with Living the Guide Life today. It's been a long time since we recorded one. Um, probably since the beginning of October was the last one that dropped for us. Just been super busy with guiding lately and haven't had a bunch of time to sit down with people and give them my full attention for that good hour to two hour range. So I wanted to make sure that we gave everybody the fair opportunity to tell their story and really give them, give them the time they need for you guys to hear more about it. So with that being said, we are back and brought to you by Chasing Fowl Outfitters. Make sure to go check us out. We had our first official season this year, and what a time it was. It was an absolute blast hanging out with everyone, meeting a bunch of different people. I think our farthest travelers were from Louisiana, and uh, pretty cool to show them how we hunt up here. So make sure to go check us out. Make sure to also check out our merchandise over on the website. Um, you can see everything that we're selling there. Some pretty sweet merch. Uh, we got the white hoodies for spring snows coming up. So keep an eye on those. And then a bunch of more uh, fun stuff as well as starting to open the books in January for next year's hunts. Now, I'm going to give Bourbon Media a quick second to tell their story. If you're a small business owner in the outdoor industry, we get it. The words digital marketing can be intimidating. You're a grunt work, sweat it out, bust your chops kind of person who's addicted to progress and put all of your time and energy into operating your business. We at Bourbon Media can help you push it even further. We're digital marketing experts. I'm talking web development, content creation, social media management, SEO, paid advertising, the whole nine yards. And as fellow outdoorsmen, we know the industry. Keep your business up to date and expand your reach with digital marketing that is directed at your core market. We are Bourbon Media. Cheers to progression. And that wraps things up for Bourbon Media. Um, make sure to go check out everything that they have going on over there right now. Um, anything website related, make sure to hit them up. I know uh, they do some freelance stuff as well. So if you're looking for a good photographer, make sure to check them out. Also, we are brought to you by Pacific Calls. Now, if you want your call before Christmas, got to be put in by tomorrow. Make sure to hit them up, put in your call order and uh, get somebody the best call on the market today. So make sure to go check all that stuff out. They also have a ton of really awesome merch, um, a bunch of really cool designs, and they just keep pumping them out. So make sure to go check those guys out over at Pacific Calls. Now, we're adding on another sponsor that we've officially brought on. They've been working with us for the outfitter as well as wanted to do some stuff with the podcast so we'd like to welcome mallard bay to the scene and they are a all place destination to find your hunts fishing trips whatever you need chasing foul outfitters is on there all you got to do is go figure out where you want to hunt and they'll get you all set up wherever you want to fish whatever it is it's great for outfitters as well Go make an account, put your name up there, and they do the booking for you. 
So if you want to check that out, they do awesome job. They booked us some hunts and they're just growing nonstop. So if you want to get on that before, before everyone else does, um, I would highly recommend that. So we'll get right into it. Um, we got a very special guest today. We have Nick from Artera Media on, and he is the partner over at Artera, which is based out of Tennessee. He's a Tennessee boy, loves to turkey hunt, and loves to film. So we dig into it all. I mean, we dig into some of their commercials, you know, his backstory in hunting, as well as we dig into like what it takes to be a, you know, photographer. Um, videographer in this day and age because it's a whole different ball game now with everyone trying to do it so nick really gives some awesome tips on that as well as just really funny stories about his uh his background so make sure to get ready for that as well as there are a few minor difficulties that we ran into um so i just want to make sure everyone knows that beforehand you'll hear and kind of break up for a minute um for some reason zoom was acting up when we recorded this so there's little spurts where it will stop and nobody will talk it'll be for probably about five seconds so that might happen a couple times just want to make sure everyone knows that it's not you it's something we ran into with zoom for the first time and uh we're sorry that had to happen but it still turned out great so It'll be a lot of fun for you guys to listen to this one, and uh, I hope you guys really enjoy it. And we are back with living the guide life after being gone for a little while, um, and we're ready to rock and roll with our guest, Nick Sherrod, today. Um, he's a partner over at Artera Media and uh tennessee man so nick how we doing today oh pretty good how are you doing well just uh enjoying all the snow we're finally getting yeah yeah hopefully uh hopefully finally push some ducks down yeah well our duck season's closed that's the that's the one problem with it we're yeah yeah. we're we're seeing a lot of ducks that's yeah that's uh not good for for us in the south but i have um i had a buddy today call me and Tell me some good things are uh, going on in Arkansas as far as duck numbers and and that sort of thing goes. So yep. hopefully, hopefully he's correct. We'll be there here in uh, a couple of weeks. So yeah, yeah, that's that'd be the ideal scenario. I mean, we're we're finally starting to get our ducks, like, yeah. and it's two weeks after the season closes. So yeah, like, not super ideal. I mean, usually we'll have like this year was our first year that our duck season didn't go till the end of, or till the beginning of December. It ended like the last weekend of November because yeah. DNR did a big survey and a bunch of people voted for it to end earlier. But then we get, instead of like, we had a two week split where you couldn't hunt in October and now it's just a five day split. And yeah. so they'd rather be a fair weather hunter and not like shoot actual bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's strange because, you know, I feel like the ducks are starting to show up later and later, you know, to places. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like I think it was like 80 degrees in Arkansas today. And um, it's still, 
fairly chilly here, but we're supposed to, you know, warm up close to 70. Um, you know, we're going to, to Dallas to shoot some stuff for uh, Delta waterfowl. Yeah. Uh, we leave out tomorrow and, you know, I'm sure it's going to be warm down there, um, which, you know, isn't out of the norm for them necessarily, but, um, you know, then we're going to, uh, straight from there to Iowa, um, to shoot some stuff for Polaris. And, uh, it's supposed to be 70 degrees there. We were hoping for kind of like a cold. Yeah, it's just, you know, some warm weather and ducks seem to be showing up later and later. Um, kind of wish they'd shift everything back, you know, a couple of weeks instead of, you know, kind of cutting it off. Yeah. I mean, the ideal scenario, like for us at least, would have it start in like second week of October and then run yeah. it all the way till Christmas. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, ours, like ours here, you know, it'll start um, like right around Thanksgiving and then goes through the end of January. Like, I wouldn't mind if they started at like December 15th. And yeah. then, you know, let it run through uh, like Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, because we always have ducks show up like that first week of February. Yeah. Um, like a big, like a noticeable difference. And it's around here, you know, we don't get huge numbers of, of ducks. Um, but there, there's normally a noticeable difference on the rivers or on the lakes um, that that you see. And so it's, I don't know, hopefully they can get it, get it figured out. But yeah. we'll see. Somebody's got to figure out something because I mean, like, we'd even start shooting field mallards until like first week of November. Yeah. And usually we can shoot them in October. Yeah. And so it's like, but also we've had terrible weather here. Like, it was 65 degrees the first weekend of uh, November. Yeah. Which, so, so is today like, is this uh, like your all's first big snowstorm of the year? Uh, so on Monday we had one that was like, we got like five inches and then it melted all. And then today we're getting like eight to 12, they say. And so we're having a pretty big snow so much we've been waiting on for a while because the geese up here, like they, our problem is like, if they don't have snow. They'll just feed in town, feed in the grass. Yeah. And then they'll go get their like 20 kernels of corn right at shooting light at the end of the night. Yeah. And so without any snow, like they don't have to melt the snow and sit there and then finally find some feed and then go melt another spot and have to feed like twice yeah. a day. Like we'd like, but right. now that we actually got some snow, like we're actually seeing birds start to fly in the morning. Um, Cause we've been on a pretty, pretty good stretch of them just feeding in the afternoon. And like yeah. last 20 minutes of the afternoon where you can shoot. And then yeah, we were, yeah, we were out in uh we were out in Kansas. Uh, it's been, I don't know, probably two or three weeks ago now. And um it it, you know, normally last year we were at the same place um shooting the bond in Kansas. And I mean it was probably the coldest hunt that I've ever been on, you know, big game whitetail or waterfowl yeah. you know i think it was i don't know, probably like five degrees and the wind was blowing like 40 miles an hour and <laughs> you know you're holding on to a piece of metal and i mean it, it felt like it took you know like weeks for me to feel my hands again um but then this time you know it was fairly warm uh first two days was 
you know, a little chilly in the mornings, but not bad. Like kind of like perfect. Yeah. You know, perfect fall, late fall, early winter weather. Uh, but then the last day, you know, it was 70 and the wind was blowing, you know, 40 miles an hour and kind of felt like a, a warm hairdryer. Yeah. But it's just, it's just weird. And the ducks, you know, they were, they were feeding 15 minutes after, you know, shooting time, like right as it started to get dark and, yeah, you know, you'd be picking up and we, and you know, we had some, some good hunts, but um, I think if it, if it would have been cold, there were ducks around. They just weren't uh, necessarily feeding whenever we needed them to. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's been, that's been our problem. Like since second week of October, like it's yeah. been, it's been a struggle. It's been, it's been a tough season, but I mean, it is what it is. Like, yeah. just got to figure out new ways to kill them. Hunt what, like, hunting low ponds or like whatever it is. Like, because I mean, all they do in the morning is just bounce water around here. Yeah. So, just trying to find water was like the big thing for us this year. Just, yeah, it makes it tough. You know, if they're bounce, bouncing around like that, just, you know, it's kind of like a feast or famine deal. Yeah. And you just can't, you can't pattern them. Like, yeah. You, you just can't figure them out. Yeah. Kind of like what, like whitetail around here, you know, um, I feel like, you know, in particular like Kansas, Nebraska and all that, they're, they're much more patternable just because the terrain and, you know, there's not a lot of timber that they have to hide in really, uh, here, you know, everything is, you know, woods basically, um, and they, they can go anywhere they want. So it's just kind of, kind of got to get lucky, kind of, kind of a guessing game and do your best to play the wind. Yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. Um, but I kind of want to hear more about your backstory and how you got into hunting, filming, um, photography, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, growing up, you know, my, my dad, you know, he would dove hunt and, uh, you know, like bass fish some, but he didn't really do anything beyond that. You know, we were always consumed with, with ball, you know, baseball, basketball, football was, was big in our family. And so we were kind of consumed with that growing up. Um, and then, you know, around 11, 12 years old, a buddy of mine, his dad used to take us on like, you know, just juvenile deer hunts and, yeah. um, you know, got to shoot a couple deer with a rifle and kind of got the bug. And then, um, I think I was 14 and, um, my buddy, Nick that I grew up with, he, uh, he was like, man, I went, went deer hunting. I was sitting in a stand there was all these ducks just piling in this Creek. And, um, so I was like, well, I mean, let's go, let's go try it. We didn't know what we were doing. We had no idea. I didn't know what shells to buy. Uh, just went back there. And, um, those were the, you know, trash bags over your, over your legs. Today, yeah. You know, just really roughing it. Didn't have a clue. Just didn't <laughs> want to get wet. And, um, we went back there, shot our limit of, of wood ducks. And we've been hunting that, that same hole for, you know, 17, 18 years now. Oh, wow. And uh, some years have been great. You know, we've you know, killed mallards and gabble and that sort of thing out of there. But it's more just, you know, kind of go back there. We can take, you know, three or four buddies with us. It's not a big creek. It's probably, you know, 10 yards, 12 yards wide. Um, so you're shooting them close, normally fast and furious. And um, go back there, shoot a limit and go grab some biscuits and gravy with your buddies afterwards and, and call it a day. So. Um, that's kind of how all that got started. And then on the photography side, you know, I'd have people ask, you know, kind of like how the hunt went and, you know, what, what happened. And, 
it's you can tell people but you can't really show them you know yeah um and so i think it was uh 20 late 2012 i picked up a, a camera for the first time and um kind of just got into it everything has been self-taught um you know never really took any classes or went to school for it and just uh kind of progressed into you know Artera medium what you know what that is today yeah absolutely and i noticed that Artera started in 2019 yeah so what did you have going on before then that you guys were doing you know uh we were just freelancing and okay. um you know jake my partner he was working at uh gunner kennel he worked gunner kennels for a while and, and did numerous other things and was taking photos for people um and then i was kind of got my start um you know really uh probably started i'm trying to think of the year i can't remember the year exactly um when i kind of reached out i kind of had the, this you know in my mind like i want to work with brands that like i believe in that i think are uh you know well ran they make great product um just stuff that i that i use personally like i didn't yeah. want to be uh kind of like an infomercial for people um yeah. so you know stick gear was high on my list at the time and um i reached out to to a guy there uh who now works at yeti you know bill neff he was he was fantastic and he didn't know me i didn't know him i reached out and i was like hey you know this is kind of what i want to do um you know what do you think about it and luckily for me you know, back then there weren't there weren't nearly as many people trying to do it as there is now. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely <laughs> a little luck involved as far as timing goes. Um, but he was like, "Well, you know, you know, we can we can figure something out for you and and get you some gear, get gear in your hands, and and see what you can do." And then um, that just kind of led from one thing to another. But that was like my first real gig, I guess. Um, and then you know that kind of just sprouted into to everything else but wow. yeah just just freelancing and then um you know my dad he's he's a construction contractor so i was doing that as well running heavy machinery and okay um, you know like the plan really was to kind of just take that over yeah. uh whenever he wanted to be done with it and and just do that and and call it good but you know one thing led to another and we were like you know, let's just go for it and um, yeah. see what we can do. And it's been, you know, it's been great. That's awesome. And I noticed that red camera you got behind you. Those things are, yeah. those things are yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, there's something else. This is our, uh, newest, uh, addition. This is the Gemini. Okay. So it's kind of a, a low light monster. It was originally created to like film in outer space. Um, oh, wow. So it's got, Kind of, it's called dual dual ISOs. So you have your your standard ISO, you know, which you'd run in you know normal daylight hours. Yeah. Um, and then it's got a low light mode, which basically ratchets everything up a notch. Um, and you know, like if if your base is eight hundred ISO, um, you know, in your standard mode, it'll kick it up to sixteen hundred. That's your standard mode. But it keeps it wipes all the grain away, so it keeps everything. so it's been uh like a, a really solid addition for us yeah oh i can imagine 
that's a whole different level of like photography and film is that low light stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Low light, you know, if, if low light's done well, like it's just something that people don't get to see a lot um, just yeah. because it's, you know, quite difficult. Um, you know, unless you're talking long exposure and that sort of thing, uh, which is a little easier to set up. But if you're talking like, you know, kind of action shots in, in low light people, you just don't get to see those often because it's, it's yeah. difficult. Equipment doesn't like it. Um, so it's just, you know, it's something different that, that people get to see. Yeah. Cause I've played around with low light stuff, but I mean, my lens isn't meant for it. Like, cause I have a 4.5. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't play super well with low light, but yeah. I mean like long exposure shots, I can take those. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But just like stuff like that, that most people do that they don't have the equipment for, or like they're just, like don't know how to take it correctly. I feel like that's the big thing. Oh, you cut out on me there. There we oh. go. Yeah, no, I was saying like, I feel like either people don't have the equipment for it or they don't know how to take those low light shots. Like, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a mix of both. Um, yeah. You know, obviously just because you have the equipment doesn't mean necessarily can do it. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, you know, just tinkering around with your stuff and figuring out, you know, what works best. Yeah. You know, I started out with a, um, it was a Canon uh, Rebel T3i, I think is what it was. Yeah. And, you know, thought it was the greatest thing on earth. And, um, shoot, I shot it for probably three or four years. And then, um, you know, as time went on, I kind of just started out with like kit lenses and, yeah. uh, you know, good lenses go a long way um, with a camera. So I kind of upgraded my lenses first and then switched over and kind of dove into the Sony world whenever they come out with their R series. And, um, and still to this day, I shoot the Sony a seven R two. We have some, some R threes and R fours that we shoot on, but my personal stuff um, is primarily shot on the a seven R two. I love it. It's my, this is my second body. Um, And, you know, it it works great for me, so I keep keep rolling with it. Yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. Because it's the there's the two different types. It's the DSLR, and then I'm blanking on the um, other type of camera. Um, I mean, are you talking about like photo wise? Yeah. Talking about like like mirrorless. Yeah, mirrorless. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Totally blank. I feel like because I was talking to um, I forget who it was, but. They were saying that Sony's been doing mirrorless for a lot longer than Canon has. Yeah, they have. And so I feel like they, they kind of set the standard, you know, whenever it comes to that. And, you know, Canon makes great stuff, too. I'm, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of just dove into Sony um, and then you get so familiar with them. And, um, you know, I, I love the color. Like, I think the best color on a photo comes from a Sony uh, okay. camera body with with a Canon lens. Oh, you really? have to run you have to run a metabones to to get that and that's that's what i run um is can lenses on a sony body just because out of camera i think the colors and stuff are dynamite um, yeah and you know we run this is one of our cinema lenses here but we run a lot of canon lenses and stuff you know yeah. whenever we're running gun on our reds as well we've got efl ef mounts on all those so um it's it's nice to be able to not have to have another set of lenses for our reds and then another set for our 
our photo yeah. stuff and so that keeps everything kind of streamlined yeah that's really interesting i've never really heard of and like putting a different lens on a different body yeah it's it can be uh, a pain in the ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, metabones, because we shoot a lot of dogs too. And, um, yeah. you know, I'm sure a lot of people listen, they may have seen uh, some of my dog photos out there. And, you know, really all that stuff is is manual focus. Um, you know, I will run autofocus if stuff is pretty stationary. Yeah. But, you know, really, sometimes you just kind of got to kind of got to pick a spot and and go with it. Uh, but you know, now like Sony's came out with the A1, which is fantastic. And I'm pretty close to, to switching to Sony glass just for the convenience of <laughs> being able to, because like I said, you know, we shoot photos, like if we're shooting photos for, you know, Polaris or you or whoever it is yeah. anymore, like if we're on set, I'll normally, you know, grab uh, one of our other, you know, photo cameras and, you know, you just push autofocus and it tracks and, and it's, you know, the technology is insane these days. Um, and then kind of get back to my setup if I'm here at home or, or whatever. And, and it's just kind of like, man, I really should probably think about switching over just, uh, the autofocus tracking and, and all that stuff is wild these days. Yeah. Yeah. So you but, prefer to shoot manual? Then? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I prefer it. Okay. It's kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of out of, out of, uh, necessity. Um, it's kind of out of necessity, uh, really, but, um, I really don't get to shoot photos that much anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, definitely not as much as I'd like to, cause that's kind of how I got my start. And, um, you know, these days it's, I spend most of my time running this thing and, uh, you know, we've got other guys that, that can shoot the photos and, uh, yeah. do a good job of that. So, Yeah. Yeah, I hear you on that. Because how many people do you guys have on your team? So there's uh, three full-time guys, and then we have three uh, part-time slash project-based guys. Okay. Uh, you know, could really use... Won't be uh, lagged out there. I lost you there for a second. All great stuff, but... Uh, but yeah, yeah, so there's... Lost you for a second there. Oh, sorry about that. So. I was saying there was, there's three of us full-time and then three part-time slash project-based guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, we could probably use a couple more, <laughs> honestly, yeah. it's, uh, it's just been wild, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff happening, which is good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's three full-time, three part-time, uh, and they're all, they're all super great guys and, and do, do a great job. Yeah. I mean, what do you look for? in hiring people for your team? Cause I mean, everybody is really trying to be a photographer yeah. and filmmaker now these days. So it's like, what kind of separates from the others? Yeah. So, um, you know, really back in, uh, I guess it was April, April, or maybe it was, no, it was May. Uh, we kind of put out some feelers that we were, you know, looking to hire some people. And, you know, I think we had, like a hundred and almost 125 applicants, which wow. we were not prepared for. <laughs> we were thinking like, oh, 10 guys will send in some resume or past work and we'll look through it and, and try to find us one. Yeah. Uh, so it, it took us a while to to get everything situated and um keep everybody, you know, in line. And um, but we ended up 
settle on a guy and and really what set him apart is just from talking to him uh you know we weren't on the phone five minutes and uh, i'd text jake and i was like i think this may be Lost you there again at the um, text. What's that? Lost you there again at the text. Oh, um, <laughs> so yeah. So I sent a text to Jake and I was like, I think this may be our dude. And, but it was just talking to him and hearing his knowledge on uh, like camera equipment, various, you know, types of camera equipment, yeah. um, how long he had been shooting, uh, what he had been shooting. And then um, really just his, his overall knowledge of what we had had going on. Um, He seemed very in tune with what, um, you know, we were doing, uh, which was nice. Done Um, his research. Yeah. He had done his research and he, he wasn't just kind of like sending in like, Hey, I'm, I'm just kind of looking for a job. Yeah. Um, But, you know, he was also, um, he'd also been doing it for, for a while and had, had done, you know, music videos in Nashville and I mean, just all kinds of different things. And so we kind of keyed in on that and, you know, I mean, now like he basically runs his own jobs and, um, yeah. you know, takes care of all his, his own equipment needs as far as getting rentals where they need to go and all that stuff. And he seemed very organized and um, he was also, you know, I would say, kind of like a, a guy that was flying under people's radar. Like, I don't think anyone um, really knew of him. And he, yeah. he wasn't necessarily uh, like in our kind of like web of, yeah. you know, guys that we know and, and guys that we worked around or, you know, um, people's work that we had seen. Yeah. Um, just because he was shooting some different stuff for like discovery and just kind of like a different vibe of of content but uh that definitely played a part in it too is just um you know like we want we want our guys to be kind of known as our terror guys you yeah. know um not kind of like recycled from somewhere else yeah um, so that that definitely played a part in it for sure yeah yeah i mean doing doing your research and having your knowledge is a huge play and i feel yeah. like I mean, anywhere that hires, it's yeah. just knowing about the company, knowing the people, knowing what they want to do. Like, I feel yeah. like that's a, that's a big thing that people just let go by. Yeah. And just, and, you know, he kind of came into it and, and we told him like, you know, we want to grow, we want you to grow with us. Like, yeah. And, you know, he had a, a real passion, you know, for what he's getting to do now and, and what we are doing now. And um, uh, it kind of just, Led through whenever we were talking to him, and um, and we, we pretty much knew almost immediately that that he was our our guy. Awesome, yeah. Because I remember seeing that, and you guys had a bunch of comments of people like messaging or whatever, like Man, it, looking for a job. We were <laughs> we were not prepared. We'll definitely do it <coughs> a little differently next time. That's for sure. Get some stuff set up on the website. You know, have a landing page for it. Yeah. You know, you, submit your uh, resume and passwork here and, and we'll do it that way. Yeah. But Instagram uh, DMs was not necessarily <laughs> the way to get them. Yeah, you're on that. I, uh, you said something about rentals. Do you guys like, I mean, camera equipment's so expensive. Yeah. Like, well, do you guys so, 
Do you guys do that? Like just uh, get like rental, rent, like rent out our stuff, but rent camera equipment from like other places or anything like that. I mean, so if it's if it's kind of like a specialty item or um, something really really big, we will like yeah. you know movies and um, you know different you know you know motion equipment and um, occasionally there'll be like a specialty lens, like a you know we've done 400, 600 millimeter stuff just to mix it up. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that we will but you know we own you know 90 percent of the stuff that we use on a regular basis yeah. um and it's just that's the way we like it it just it takes one moving part um out of the way and you know more and more we're wanting to kind of expand you know we would love to be able to own everything yeah uh, eventually and and just kind of have it just you know Renting equipment, especially like this time of year and on short notice, it's just like today we were <clears throat> supposed to send it straight to Iowa for the Polaris shoot, and it got sent to Mississippi for some reason and was stuck down there. They couldn't guarantee it being in Iowa, so we had to, you know kind of reroute everything it's just it takes one uh moving part out of everything if you can just own it but um yeah. and i feel like in the long run which camera equipment the only downside to owning is camera equipment changes so rapidly uh you kind of have to stay on top of that stuff which again camera equipment isn't the end-all be-all to good content for sure yeah. um but you know if if that's your thing then uh you know as fast as it changes can be uh a problem yeah oh i hear you on that i mean yeah it's not like you have to have the nicest equipment to be able to create good content yeah def- definitely not uh like I, I mean i've been shooting the the r2 for gosh i guess it's been uh i don't know six years i can't remember when they come out with it but it's been i don't know six or so years maybe five years something like yeah. that and yeah. i've had the same lenses for a long time um you know, it's just kind of what you do with them. Yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. I mean, how much is a red camera? Uh, so this setup is going to be, um, all in all, about 25 to 27, something like that. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So they, they do get pricey. <laughs> um but like you know, we love them. It's streamlined, as you can see. Like there's not a lot of. Uh, I can just grab it here, give you kind of like the rundown. There's yeah. not a lot of cords going everywhere. Um, it's as long as you stay in the red system, it's not. You know, it stays pretty clean. Yeah. Um, which serves my OCD well. But <laughs> you know, really the only. You know, I've got a side handle here that I, I kind of use for for balance whenever I'm running my follow focus. Um, and then other than that, you know top handle and side handle everything is kind of you know built into the brain here um and which you know reds are they are fantastic uh, and we love them and and you know we shoot 90 percent of the stuff that we do on red yeah uh but they do have their you know drawbacks just like anything else they you know you've got a you know like if you're filming a whitetail hunt basically once you get up in the tree um you know, before daylight, you've got to click that thing on and let it warm up, get that sensor going and 
<clears throat> let it get to temperature, you know, before you can you can start using it. You can use it, uh, but it may affect your footage a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. May end up a little grainy or you know whatnot. But um, and then there, you know this one, um, I'm not sure they're heavy. Yeah. Uh, you know, we did uh, a 10 day elk hunt last year in Colorado and, um, you know, lugging that thing around for 10 days, you know, with no, no easy rig, <laughs> not just, you know, my forearms burnt, like burning yeah. for, for days after that. And like I, I had new calluses on my hands just from, you know, the, the rubber top handle kind of yeah. just rubbing back and forth. And, um, you know, kind of got it up with that, you know, whether it be a camera arm in a tree or whether it be tripods or, you know, whatever, everything has got to be able to hold all that weight. And so everything kind of, yeah, they're, they're 25 grand, but then, you know, you've got another hand and accessories to, to actually hold the thing whenever you're using it. And so it, it adds up quick, you know, but, yeah. uh, but no, we, we love them. They're, they're great, but they have drawbacks just like anything else. Oh, I hear you. Have you found a, good way not to worry about ruining it in the water like that's my biggest thing is dropping my camera (laughs) (laughs) insurance that's i mean that's all you can do really yeah Uh, you know we had them and they're pretty they're pretty tough we had uh not this one um two of our ravens we were shooting the barn last year uh at wild wings in arkansas with uh with barton and uh, connor down there and uh, first two days were great, you know, pretty good weather, but the last day, I mean, it was just like a torrential downpour. Um, I mean, it was, a, it was a nightmare, you know, which for timber hunting is like worst case scenario. Yeah. And of course, I don't even think, um, we fired a shot. We saw some birds kind of like buzzing around treetop high, but yeah. I don't, I, I don't think we fired a shot and got some super cool, you know, anytime you have in, inclement weather. You always get some super cool stuff. Yeah. It is a little harder on your equipment, but um, you normally, in the end, as long as everything kind of works out on the equipment side, it's well worth it. You know, we got some super cool frames from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty much soaking wet, um, which they, they say that, you know, all the internals of the brain are, are sealed from, from weather. But, oh, wow. you know, you have your, attachments like your monitor and your battery and side handle that that isn't necessarily yeah. and without without those things you're kind of dead in the water anyways yeah so um they got pretty wet we had them in you know just trash bags <laughs> uh we we didn't have any high-end you know water housings or anything like that for yeah them, so we just had them in trash <laughs> bags and was kind of rolling with it that way and you know we're super tired and didn't really think about it and then we ended up like a a week later we were flying we uh, went salt plains in kansas and was filming out there and uh and i was like you know turning my camera on and the screen was kind of flickering back and forth and i was like man what's what's going on here and uh sure enough took the uh the screen off and you know there was like blue and green corrosion in between and so just kind of brushed all that out and uh you know it worked after that everything everything's been great ever since so oh they're good yeah (laughs) so they're they're pretty tough to be you know like a a cinema style camera they're 
they're pretty rugged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you got to have insurance then. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's one of the first things <laughs> we do whenever we purchase one is get the insurance. Yep. Just oh, in case, like yeah. I've, you know, I was shooting, uh, kind of just playing around, um, in the studio. It's been, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so. Uh, we had just bought a brand new seven inch monitor for one of the other ones. And I was shooting a little, uh, deal. I think it was kind of like when, when COVID first started, uh, okay. you know, cause really, um, COVID helped our business more than it hurt it. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, because everybody's wanting to go digital and, um, you know, put their money towards that and which is great. But those like first month and a half or so, uh, like that June, uh, everything was kind of like shut down, you know, yeah. nobody was flying, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so just kind of home messing around and was in, was in the studio and shooting something and set the camera down and just kind of like tipped over and snapped the screen off. And luckily, you know, insurance, you just send it right in. They, pay for you get another one and yeah end of the story but uh so yeah insurance first thing i do whenever whenever we get it is is get the insurance for it yeah no i hear you because yeah that's a i've always wondered i mean i don't know why i didn't think of insurance in the first place (laughs) yeah Yeah. insurance doesn't solve anything but you know uh camera equipment it'll go a long ways for you oh yeah i hear you on that um but I was also looking through your like profile and I noticed like you do a lot of black and white and I really like that on some yeah. frames. Is yeah. there like a it's, preference on that? No, I think, um, you know, sometimes black and white can, can add something to an image or um, like if I feel like an image is lacking something, yeah. I, I'll take it to black and white because then you can kind of push things a little further without colors getting weird. Yeah. Um, and add a little pop to it, whether it be, you know, contrast or, you know, some extra sun flare or, or something uh, to add just a little bit of pop to it. Uh, but yeah, I like black and white. I've, I always have, um, you know, and a lot of our brand work, you know, isn't black and white. A lot of brands, you know, try to stay through their colors. And um, so it's, it's nice to, to shoot some of that stuff, you know, whether it be personal or, you know, we've done a little bit of stuff. Uh, in black and white for for our terror, not much, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. Because I was looking at that turkey video in black and white, and it just it's a whole different vibe than color. yeah. And I really yeah. like that. Oh man, Tur- turkeys in general are are a whole different vibe. Uh, yeah, you know that's that's kind of our thing, and um, we pretty much take the you know we're super busy, you know, really all year now. It used to be kind of just in the fall, the first year, and then. Now it's kind of like a year round endeavor, but we still take like a month of April, you know, we'll get together and uh, kind of just shut everything off and go kill turkeys and uh, hang out and, you know, shoot some cool clips like that one. And yeah. we put some, you know, turkey hot videos together or whatever that kind of get people riled up. But, uh, but yeah, we just kind of take springtime to, to chill and, and relax and shoot turkeys. Yeah. But, but yeah, black and white, you know, I think it just adds an extra element if, if, you know, sometimes the colors end up weird on a photo. And if you really like it, you know, yeah. just throw, throw it in black and white and that, you know, kind of gives it a little extra bump. Yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. What's the turkey hunting like down in Tennessee? 
Oh, dynamite. Yeah. Dynamite. I mean, it's, it's some of the, it's some of the best in my opinion. Um, you know, we go, we do Nebraska too, and I've done Mexico for turkeys. And um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like perfect habitat. You know, we have, uh, you know, plenty of fields and uh, there's plenty of timber and, and plenty of birds. Um, yeah. Our birds are, are pretty visible around here um, and, and pretty aggressive. They not, <clears throat> it's, it's completely different, which Easterns in general are completely different, um, you know, from, you know, Rio's or Merriam's or um, I've never hunted Osceola's. Jake has my partner. He's hunted yeah. Osceola's quite a bit, um, but they're just different. Like their gobble is, man, it's just, uh, it gets you every single time. You know, Rio's and Merriam's is kind of like a hollow. It sounds like our Jake's basically, yeah. uh, but man, you get one in the timber, he's hammering at, you know, 30 yards. There's in my book, nothing like it. So, uh, it's, I love to hunt around here, um, for turkeys. It's, it's my favorite thing to do, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's overall, it's, it's pretty awesome. The, the weather's normally perfect, 70 degrees and sunny most days during turkey season. So. Oh, that's perfect. Then. What's oh, the yeah. limit? What's the limit down there for? Uh, well, it used to be four and now it's three. Um, oh, wow. we, we are seeing, you know, I don't know what the root cause is. Um, you know, I don't think it's it's overhunting necessarily. I think uh, <clears throat> maybe a you know pre- predator problem. Yeah. Um, but we don't. You know, I don't see a lot of coyotes out and about. Um, but and you know, raccoons are like the number one uh, nest raider whenever it comes to turkeys. I believe. Yeah. Uh, and we do have a lot of those. Um, but it's you know probably a mixture of things. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, three, so it's still, you know, pretty generous, um, you know, compared to some other places and, yeah. uh, you know, normally we're, we're trying to fill those pretty quick. <laughs> I can imagine. Cause yeah, our Turkey, we can only shoot one. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm sure the cold weather up there probably, you know, is, is kind of rough on them. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure amongst amongst other thing, I'm sure that you know, heavy snow and and all that stuff isn't great for them either. Yeah, yeah we don't wear on them. Yeah, down here we don't get a lot. You know, we'll get maybe one one or two snows a year that accumulates to anything. Other than that, it's you know, it stays pretty mild. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so it's it's pretty dynamite. Um, they're not as easy, you know, to hunt as you know, like Nebraska birds. You know, Nebraska's. Yeah a great place to kill turkeys um oklahoma uh, a lot of those places out there uh kansas um you know kansas used to be uh quite good but um they've seen kind of a drop off there uh over the past bit and they think my my partner his, his theory is um you know whenever they're fertilizing fields and, and spreading uh you know a lot of times they'll spread you know chicken crap basically all you know all over yeah. to fertilize the ground and um they think that, that was kind of spreading some some disease and mm. but you know again who know, i'm sure it's a, a numerous numerous things but um you know we really <clears throat> don't have to deal with with that as much here um but you know nebraska is great i think their their limit's three yeah. uh, and those birds you know you find a good roost tree and some some nice terrain and maybe some ag fields like there's going to be turkeys there 
you know, where they're kind of going to be starting their day at and roosting. And yeah. uh, it's a lot of fun. And they're, you know, they're super aggressive out there, yeah. which is, uh, which is nice. They're not nearly as cautious as, as our birds are. Yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. I mean, our, our birds are, they're pretty aggressive. I mean, if you throw a Jake decoy out there, they're going to come beat the shit out of it. But, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I mean, the problem with us is like, our season starts April 15th and we usually hunt the second weekend because we only get like Wednesday to Wednesday to hunt. So we get seven days to kill a turkey. Yeah. And it's usually like, uh, when our season started last year, so the B season, I think it was like 11 degrees out. Yeah. So like, man, that was our first morning was like 11 degrees. Yeah. And yeah, we were we were actually up in Wisconsin um, filming uh, at my buddy's place. Uh, Josh Miller, he lives over in Wisconsin, and uh, we were filming some dog stuff. And uh, he had a, a turkey tag, and I, I don't remember what season uh, it was, but theirs is kind of similar to yours. It sounds like it's broke yeah. up into like three or four different uh, yeah. time periods, and <clears throat> so uh, it was earlier in the season. And you know, we go out and it's it was kind of just on a whim. He was like, man, you know, this bird's kind of been hammered behind my house for three or four days in a row. He's like, I think we can kill him if, if we get in the right spot. And, uh, it took some time, but we ended up, uh, killing him on our second or third setup with him. Uh, but it, it was cold. I mean, it was, you know, probably 20, 25 degrees, which yeah. is not, uh, our perfect turkey hunting weather that we have down here, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, last year for, <laughs> Two years ago, it was, we showed up to our, like, we have a little turkey camp that we go to. I have, like, a bunch of guys go over there, and we pulled up, like, that Friday night, and it was beautiful. 70 degrees, like, we're, like, ready to rock and roll. Yeah. The next morning, it snowed six inches and dropped <laughs> down to, like, 25 degrees. Yeah. And, yeah, so, you know, sometimes ours will start, like, the last week of April, um, mm-hmm. but... You know, normally once you get, or last week of uh, March, rather, and, you know, it can kind of be cold then, uh, you know, relatively, like it, it'll be, it'll start out at, you know, 35 or 40 and, and then get up to like 55. That'll be like a cold day turkey hunting in Tennessee. But then once you get into April, it kind of like levels out and, yeah. and you're, you know, you may start out in the 40s and get up into the 60s. That's kind of normally what it what it is or you know you start in the low 50s and kind of get up to the high 60s something yeah. like that so it's it's about perfect to run around and chase them yeah oh yeah i mean that's the one thing that i wish we had was warm weather because i swear <laughs> yeah. it's every yeah. year it's cold like yeah but dude minnesota is one of uh we were filming some stuff for yukonuba up uh at pine ridge like in the north woods i guess is is yeah. what it's called and um we were there in the spring and dude the spring colors were like beautiful like everything oh, yeah. is is yellow and um i mean it was the sky up there is a different shade blue than it is down here it's yeah. I mean, it's like super deep blue up there yeah. uh, which is you know like everything pops in photos up there yeah with with you know colored leaves on the trees and everything uh but then in the fall like it's just i mean it's it's one of the the most beautiful places in the, in the country in the fall. Like we used to go to Canada and, and hunt ducks 
you know, we went four or five years in a row and um, we had driven a couple of times. So we would start out here and we would normally go the last week of October through the first week of November. You start to get some like really nice green heads coming down. And um, so that's, they're not as, as scurvy as, you know, the early season stuff where you're dealing with no color or anything like that. But um, so we'd go up and, you know, we'd start down here and everything be green and you kind of get to the Midwest and things are changing a little bit. And then you got up there, you know, going through Minneapolis and the twin cities and everything and everything is just like lit up. And it's just, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And then you get into Canada and there's no, no leaves on any trees (laughs) is, you know, it's kind of wild, but, um, Canada, Canada is kind of a, a different, different game for sure. They, it's a different place. Oh yeah. It's a different place. I mean, all I've heard is good things about Canada. Oh, it's, I mean, you know, last time I went, I'm trying to think the last year, uh, I went, it's been a couple of years. Um, but I mean, the people we ran across have all been great. The farmers are fantastic. Normally you take them a bottle of whiskey or some chew or, uh, yeah. you know, whatever that you can get across. Um, you know, you give them that and, you know, they'll let you, they'll let you do whatever you want. I mean, they, yeah. they don't care. <laughs> and so, um, everything's, you know, everything up there was, was great. The, obviously the birds, uh, you know, Kansas and, and Oklahoma and, you know, Nebraska, they've got some like great, you know, dry field hunting for ducks and, and all that, but I, it just doesn't, uh, compare to, to what's going on up there. You know, you get, you know, 30,000 mallards in a barley field, you know, you got eight guys and I mean, it's like, the, it's like a duck hunter's dream, you know, you're shooting. Yeah. You know, you can pick out all greenheads if you want, and yeah. you know, and you're shooting them at, you know, ten steps. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's awesome. You know, you throw out a couple dozen, and um, you know, forty, oh, fifty yeah. decoys, and three or four mojos, and let it rip, and they're yeah. all over. You know, ah, <laughs> oh, that sounds sounds so good. I know one of my buddies. Um, one of the farmers up, like a couple of the farmers up there love chew. And so they're like, oh, yeah. yep, buy it in North Dakota and just bring it through. Because everything, alcohol, tobacco, is so expensive up there. So expensive. And they give you, um, you know, at least when we were up there, things may have changed. But, you know, they don't give you nearly as much either. Yeah. And it's, it's like three times the price. Yeah. And so basically, like, I don't, I don't chew or anything, but uh, my buddy that I used to go with does. So, you know, I think you're allowed so many cans uh, that yeah. you can cross with and and that sort of thing. So he would buy as much as he could and I would buy as much as I could yeah. and get it across and, you know, use that stuff to our advantage. And, and the farmers, they they loved it. You know, yeah. you take care of them. They kind of take care of you. And uh, they they're all and most of them are super funny guys. Like, yeah, you can kind of tell they don't get a lot of human interaction, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, so, I mean, it's some of the stories that we've been told and, you know, that sort of thing, it's, it's, you know, it's hilarious stuff. Oh yeah. I can imagine. I mean, like even out West, like Western Minnesota, where we're kind of at, where just you're in the middle of nowhere and yeah. there's some different farmers that are just like, yep. They don't talk to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. They love the bullshit and whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Like, sure. That's 
that's one of the best things is I love talking to farmers because there's so many different, there's so many different stories that they tell you. Oh man, there were, you know, we were, uh, we were hunting this burnt field up there. So everything was just jet black yeah. and the birds were coming in and kind of eating what was left. And, uh, and we had set up and it was kind of turned into a cluster, but we had one group of guys here. There was two burnt fields. They were kind of bouncing back and forth. Yeah, And uh, we were just on, it was like an afternoon goose hunt. We didn't hunt geese much. I'm not a big goose guy. Yeah. Uh, in particular, little geese. I, I don't like hunting little geese. Yeah. They, have, they have screwed me more, more times than not. Um, but, uh, but this was a, a big goose feed. They were kind of bouncing back and forth. So we had a group of guys up here in um, our group. <coughs> and we're kind of just sitting there, you know, waiting on, on the birds to show up. And this, uh, this farmer pulls in the field, I mean, just hauling ass tortoise in his like, you know, 1990 Toyota Tacoma or Toyota Tundra. I don't even remember what it was. And it's just squeaking coming out through there. He pulls right up to the blinds, almost runs over some decoys. And he's like, uh, I need two guys to get in the, get in the truck right now. He's like, I don't know where these geese are at. He's like, they're not coming here. And we were like, oh man, this kind of wild. <laughs> and so me and another guy get in and uh you know we get in we got shotguns there's like beer cans stacked in the floor stacked and we were like this guy's trashed right now like we he was drunk right then we're riding in his truck with shotguns it, you know uh but kind of a wild deal but he took us down the road and he was convinced that they were going to be on the roost he was like you are getting out of the truck right now and you're going to shoot them off the roost. And that's the end of the story. And we were like, wow. And so we pull up to the roost and all the birds are gone. And this guy. I lost it. I lost at the roost. Oh man. So we pull up to the roost and there's no birds there. And this dude starts flipping out and he's like smashing the steering wheel. And we were like, man, this this guy, he can get sideways pretty quick here, you know, being this, this drunk <laughs> and dude, it was just kind of like this whole ordeal. He was, he was so mad. The birds weren't there and he was so tired of them, you know, eating all of his crops and, and just, uh, you know, I guess being a nuisance to him and, uh, thank goodness that's over. <laughs> that sounds like a <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there's i mean a lot of those farmers up there are are locked up. they're great but they're great people like a lot yeah. of them be like you know come on in and, and you spend an hour in there you know there was this guy we walked in his house and he had like four 200 inch white tail bucks and you know and it's just devil how many of them don't particularly care to to hunt ducks yeah, I feel like all the locals up there don't really hunt waterfowl. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I don't know why I keep losing you. Yeah.
Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll just edit this stuff out. So we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I feel like a lot of people just don't hunt ducks. A bit. Yeah, and um, it's it's kind. Of, I feel like it's kind of like that. You know, you go to the Midwest. Obviously, like whitetail is going to be off limits. Um, but yeah. you know, you get into Nebraska. A lot of people don't hunt turkeys. Um, you know, it's normally pretty easy to get uh, permission out that way. And it's it's a weird thing. Like you know, around here, there's not a lot of public, and and all the stuff that we hunt is private. Yeah. Uh, and luckily, you know, we've been hunting some of the same farms, like I said, for, you know, multiple farms for 15 plus years. And, um, but back whenever we were getting, you know, we were pretty aggressive on going around and asking farmers and doing our due diligence and trying to gather up properties that we could hunt when we were younger. Uh, you know, you get a lot of no's around here. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, I think people are different in different places. And, uh, you know, again, out there, it's, everything's way more visible and, yeah. You know, it's easier to to kind of keep tabs on on who's coming in and out and that yeah. sort of thing. So I don't know if that's got something to do with it or, you know, if people, you know, out there are just, you know, way nicer and, and don't give a shit or or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, all the people, you know, Midwest, Canada, all that, it's, it's relatively easy to get, to get. Yeah. I mean, like our permission out here is very easy to get as long as like someone in their family doesn't hunt. Right. Yeah. Like that's the big thing for us is like, Oh, my grandkid hunts or yeah, we hunt it or whatever it is. And then yeah. we're like kind of a tough bounce, but that is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so, always, cause once they, Oh, my grandson hunts it. It's like, well, I'm not going to push too hard. You know, yeah. I don't want to piss anybody yeah. off or, and it's, it's, you know, Yeah, I mean, the thing, like, the nice thing about us is, I mean, since we're running an outfitter, like, we're just like, yeah, I mean, if your grandkid hunts, like, just come out with us. Like, we know what we're doing. We'll set everything up. Like, all your grandkid has to do is jump in the blind at 7 a.m. And then they're usually like, oh, well, that's a pretty good idea then. And da, 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 da. And yeah. Then, like, and then the grandkid's like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, it's like we've got all these decoys. We got extra yeah. blinds for you. Like, we'll give you some ammo. Everything's taken <laughs> care of, and you just set up and shoot them and call it good. Yeah, that's that's been actually like a really big thing for people. It's like they're like, oh yeah, seems like a pretty good gig. Then all he has to do is wake up and get ready to rock and roll. Oh, I lost you again. Oh yeah, no, I I was just saying, yeah, they they eat it up on that. Like, yeah, that's a, no, that's, for sure. That's a good thing for us, but I kind of yeah. want to hear, I want to hear more about some of the projects you guys have done. Yeah. So, uh, we've done, you know, a little bit of everything, pretty much everything we do is kind of in the, in the outdoor space. Um, you know, we've, you know, shot commercials for, for Vortex. That was, uh, asked us to lost you there uh oh can you hear me now yeah uh so our first you know like commercial project was for uh vortex optics and they were coming out with this a new rifle scope and wanted us to shoot the commercial for it 
uh, but it had to be big game related. Uh, but I think it was in, I think we shot it in February, um, which is how a lot of this stuff goes. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, we went up into the mountains, uh, a buddy of mine, he hikes and fly fishes the mountains a lot and he knew exactly where to go. And I was like, well, you can just be our model. And, uh, and you know, you can yeah. take us to your spot and, and that sort of thing. So we got up at, you know, we left the house at like one or 2 AM and kind of drove up to the trailhead. And then I think it was like 12 miles. Right in uh was on this commercial it was it had just snowed a foot up there and it was it was so cold um and you know having to hike all that gear in you know we were taking lights and we were taking you know all kinds of stuff uh to get this thing uh shot correctly and um it was Can you hear me now? Now we're rolling. Technical difficulties, man. It never seems to fail. It's always something. But so you were saying um, up in the mountains, just chillier than all hell. Oh, dude, it was it was so cold. Um, And, you know, we like I said, we were hauling in lights and and all kinds of of gear and you know, the project turned out, we had some great shots in that. Some, some, still some of my favorites uh, came out of that project. Um, some definitely some stuff that, you know, I, looking back, would have liked to have done differently. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of get caught up in the moment and, you know, get a storyline together. And um, that's kind of how it works out. And that's kind of the, the beauty of it as, as you kind of go through and, and you, you know, start to own your craft and, and get better at things and do things a little differently, whether it be color grading or, you know, how you want to, you know, shoot some things or how you light things and um, all that stuff is kind of always changing, um, you know, ho- hopefully for the better as, as you uh, kind of go on. But um, so, yeah, that, that project for Vortex was kind of like our first deal. And then, um, you know, it kind of just took off from there. We, we've shot numerous commercials for uh, Yukonuba dog food, um, yeah. but their sporting dog category. Um, we, we do a lot of work for them and, uh, you know, lately, last year we we kicked off the first season of the Bond, uh, which is a six part film series, basically about the res- relationship between dog and his owner, and then the owner and and the trainer. Yeah, <clears throat> and and try to keep that series, um, you know, tell some some story and uh, just keep it exciting. You know, have some really good uh, dog footage and some really good bird footage and. Um, you know, kind of mash all that together and, and make episodes out of it. Um, and we, you know, we, we were pretty happy with how it turned out and, you know, we're filming season two right now. We've had some, uh, you know, we shot an episode up in Michigan with uh, an ex special forces guy and, and his dog that is not only, you know, his hunting companion, but also his, his service dog that kind of yeah. helps him get through life. So we're pretty excited about that one and, and have got, you know, numerous other stories uh, throughout the series that, that we think are, are going to play well. Um, but like I said, tomorrow, um, fly out. Uh, we're going to Dallas to do some stuff for Delta Waterfowl for a couple of days and um, kind of telling that whole story of how 
what they do then helps us in the fall, you know, uh, shoot more ducks and, and, you know, kind of put more ducks in the air. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, we're going straight from there to Iowa. I can't say too much about it, but we're shooting some cool projects, uh, or a cool project up there for, uh, Polaris. Yeah. So that's kind of, to shoot a couple episodes of uh the bond season two so there we go yeah just a lot of stuff going on and um you know last year we shot uh Polaris came out with some new um vehicles new you know some hunt additions that they came out with and we got to shoot the the launch yeah. films for those which was super cool oh. um and so yeah it's kind of been a whirlwind kind of hard to keep track of it all but um it's all it's all been good yeah yeah that's that's awesome staying busy yeah so you can ask yeah and kind of going back you know the vortex stuff we had to shoot in february we shot uh kind of collaborated with some other folks on um getting some stuff shot for uh under armor they were uh launching their new forest line this has been a year or two ago yeah uh, had to shoot that stuff in may and make it look like fall um so that how do you was, do that <laughs> uh just color grading and um you know just budging it a little bit you know we yeah. had guys you know they were drenched in sweat you know wearing their their heavier stuff and just kind of got to push through it and uh, <laughs> it's definitely that's just you know kind of how how everything works you know it's always good to to shoot stuff you know in season or you know if it needs to be shot in the fall shoot in the fall but that's you know not not how things shake out you know you get um you know brands may get in a pinch or something and have to get some stuff out and yeah. you know then that's on your plate and then you got a tight you know some tight turnarounds and um but it's all all part of the the business just kind of yeah. take our lumps and do the best we can oh absolutely and so yeah like with making it look like fall like is that just editing like how do you how do you do all that? I was saying uh, with like changing it to the fall in May, yeah. like how does that, how does that all work? Well, you just, you know, kind of change the green tones to a, to a yellowish orange and yeah. Um, you know, do the best you can. Yeah. That's, that's really like, and you know, you can shoot stuff like, you know, if you, if you're trying to, to keep, you know, the trees and stuff out of you can shoot it certain ways to from certain angles um you know there's a lot of stuff that goes into you know commercials whether it be you know using you know euro mounts for certain stuff that that you need to be summer and it had to look like you know all four seasons basically is what they wanted and so um trying to, to figure out different ways to shoot that stuff um you know kind of the mounting hunting scene that um and kind of made it look like you know uh, a mountain scene and and then kind of like uh paid it off with you know a euro mount of, of an elk on a backpack 
you know, silhouetted. And um, so there's all kinds of different ways that you can uh, work around that stuff. It just takes some, you know, a meeting of the minds to, to get it all figured out. And Yeah. I mean, you got to have a whole different mindset for that kind of stuff. There we go. That's a whole different mindset that you got to have to be able to create those timelines and stuff like that. Yeah. You a kind whole of, different creative. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, a lot goes on in like, you know, pre-production and uh, in particular on the, the commercial side, you know, like these films and stuff that we're shooting, those are, you know, you have a story in mind based off of, you know, the background on, on these guys and uh, you go into it with that. But then once you get there, it's kind of, you have to adjust on the fly. And, uh, but with the commercial stuffing, it's, it's more controlled. Uh, you can kind of get a storyline together and, um, you know, have a good idea of what you want your timeline to look like. But in the end, like it, it never kind of just lays together, you know, everything um, or something always changes and, and you end up, you know, going a different route or end up, you know, kind of getting lucky and lucking into a shot and locking that better than what you had previously planned. And so just, you know, being able to adapt and, and change stuff on the fly is, is uh, crucial for sure. Yeah. Is that like, is that something you like write out? Like, okay, here are the shots I want to take. This is kind of how I want to put it all together. Um, and then just kind of base it around that. And then on the fly, you just kind of pick up different things like, oh, this is a cool scenario. Like add this yeah. into the timeline somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, we'll we'll put together the shots we want to get and then um kind of what, you know, if it's got VO, you know, where that VO is gonna fit in and, and what they need to say and when and um and then but once you get out there, you know, you may see something that's like, oh man, this is awesome. You know, the sun's in the perfect place for Uh, and then been able to kind of mash it all together in the end and and get what you want out of it. Um, that's that's normally how how things shake out on these uh, these commercial projects. Yeah. And how long are these commercials usually that you guys have to do? Like, no, you know, normally um, they're you know thirty seconds or less. Um, that are like true commercials, like that you're going to see on on television. Uh, but then like launch films, you know, like the Polaris launch film was I think a minute, minute and a half, minute 45, something like that, um, that they're just going to use on their website and social use and that sort of thing. But most of the commercials are, are going to be, uh, you know, 30 seconds, 30 second cut, you know, 15 second cut, that that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, quick to the point, catch the viewer's eye and and move on. And like how much time? does that take you like how many like how much time of filming does that take to create a 30 second app um well so the the first one you know that we shot for vortex i mean we we knocked all that out uh in a day that's probably not ideal that was just kind of it was you know super top timeline and um that was really the only day we had to to get it knocked out um but ideally, you know, if, if you could, you know, shoot for a couple, couple of days, two to three days, um, you could really put together a, a really awesome 30 second spot, um, like for, you know, these Polaris projects and stuff, you know, we'll have, 
you know, 30 second cuts out of uh, different things. And, and if you can get, you know, three days of really, really great footage, um, you know, where every shot, the lighting's perfect in a 30 second cut, you know, and everything is kind of the way you want it. That's, that's ideal. Um, You know, because really depending on what time of year, you know, you've only got a short period of time, um, you know, depending on how far you're, you're willing to take, uh, you know, your setup. We're back. We're back. Wait. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Okay. Now we now we're now we're golden. Hopefully the new meeting was the key to our success. Dude, telling one of them days, there's some bad voodoo going on somewhere. Something's happening. I mean, all across the nation, I suppose. From Minnesota yeah. to Tennessee. <laughs> yeah yeah it's been one of them days um so i was trying to remember uh where i was at there um i think you know kind of on the commercial side what we're talking about is kind of how long stuff takes and yeah uh you know really if, if you try to kind of compact everything into one day hey um you know you really don't leave yourself a lot of time of really good shooting lot so Of, of different things and uh you know really uh do do the project justice that way um and it always in post it's it's normally much easier you're not trying to you know force things everything kind of you know flows better you've got plenty of great shots to work with and the end product you know you can always tell a difference for sure yeah oh i, I hear you on that because i mean yeah i feel like it would take a take a quite a few different shots to be able to figure out what you want. Yeah. 30 seconds is a long time, you know, yeah. uh, you How know, two seconds is a long time in, in film, you know, you, you go from, you know, a, a five second shot to a seven second shot. It's like, man, that shot's kind of like way too long. You know, yeah. it's like, there's something in our brains that clicks. Uh, and I think it's like, you know, um, I believe I read somewhere that eight seconds is kind of like, the max amount you want to spend on kind of like one scene before it, before it changes. Um, I can't remember. I feel like that's been a while ago where I saw that. And, you know, we definitely, we have had some things that kind of run over that time, you know, if if it's, you know, just a great shot or, or help, you know, telling that story, but for the most part, you know, in the 30 seconds yeah i mean i can definitely see that eight seconds being kind of uh over the top like people just lose interest or whatever it is because everyone's so like got to keep your eye on it and i might i I don't know that definitely makes sense though like eight seconds of a 30 second clip is a whole different game there we go sorry i lost you there um but yeah i mean you know 
that's I feel like that's kind of a good a good marker to uh to switch things up once you you know start you know pushing beyond five six seconds yeah. uh you know in a film or in a commercial definitely definitely not in a commercial because yeah. you know you're trying to to wow and um you know really entertain and and you know obviously sell a product so you're trying to to give them as much as possible yeah is there any other like things in film that you kind of look for like that eight second deal where it's like okay this is what can make or break a film yeah you know um i feel like you always you always have to open strong you know if, if you don't open strong then you know you're kind of gonna gonna lose people you know whether the back end of it is spectacular or not yeah. so you try to always open strong but not not really just based on you know, off of feel and what we like, um, you know, if we watch something that we've created and we like it and it kind of gets us fired up, um, you know, whether it be a commercial or a film or whatever, then we, you know, kind of feel like, you know, it's probably, probably not perfect by any means, but, um, we're in a good spot to kind of build from there, you know, as we go through revisions and, and, you know, the editing process. So, uh, and that's, you know, luckily for us, we get to do something that we do enjoy um, and that we're very in tune with and that we've done, you know, growing up our entire lives. You know, we get to now film this stuff and, you know, create cool stuff out of it. So uh, it definitely helps, you know, kind of knowing what you're filming. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we kind of be fished out of the water, not saying that we couldn't do it. You know, I feel like we're capable of anything, but it definitely helps if you know, you know, every inch of what of what's going on in front of you yeah. so we feel like if we if we watch something we've created and and we feel good about it and it gets us fired up and um then you know other people will uh will lock it as well yeah just gotta trust your gut yep yeah everything you know and like i said everything's been like self-taught and and that's kind of you know just whatever we feel is right and yeah. Uh, we should kind of just go with that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, for like younger guys that are getting into it, what would you say would be like the biggest piece of advice for them? Consistency. Consistency. Basic, basically, it comes down like it's a war of attrition, honestly. And, and that's kind of the mindset I had whenever I first started. Like, if I can do, you obviously have to do good work. Yeah. Um, but if, if you can do good work for longer, then the next guy you will win. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of been, you know, you know, my strategy and now, you know, kind of our terrorist strategy is just, just being consistent, um, you know, being, holding yourselves accountable um, and being, uh, you know, flexible. Um, but the most important thing is just, just be consistent in, uh, in your work and, you know, just keep, you know, just keep doing it. Uh, because there are guys out there, you know, whether you know who they are, or whether you don't, um, there are guys out there that are doing the same thing as, uh, you know, if you're a young guy, he's doing the same thing and wants to do the same thing that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he may have something come up, you know, whether, you know, college or he gets a job out of college or whatever, he gets married, you know, you know, whatever it may be, something changes um, that, you know, no longer allows him to do it or he just kind of gets, you know, burnt out or whatever. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing, man. I'm, it is just, 
and you know i get a lot of questions like that you know if i had one thing to you know uh you know tell guys it's just just keep doing it um and if it's something you love that's something that that you'll do you know regardless so um it's it's just a war of attrition if you can do good work for longer than the next guy you'll win yeah oh absolutely that's the that's the biggest thing i've noticed as well is people that just consistently or keep putting out what they do and everything like that keeps you intrigued to keep following them or whatever it is um yeah that's that's a big thing absolutely because i yeah, mean for for sure now everybody is trying to be a film guy photo guy yeah like, that's yes the, it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely a little more crowded you know like i said um you know look industry and lost um, for a second yeah so i was just saying uh you know luckily for us back when we started um there weren't as many people doing it then yeah uh it was easier to get in contact with brands and uh it it was more of a uh a relationship that that you had with you know these these higher ups these brands that um just because the brands were smaller then you know like sick gear and you know yeti you know everybody's grown uh so. oh rapidly do it and so you just have to you know have to you know be consistent put out good work you know figure out you know maybe what what a niche for you is um and, and approach that that i took and um i feel like it's it's worked out you know pretty well but it's it's definitely more difficult for guys today than it was you know almost you know 10 years ago now uh for us yeah oh yeah i mean that's a big thing with social media i mean everyone wants to be able to post all what they do and so it's like well let's try to grab a camera or whatever it is start yeah. filming everywhere big fad for all these younger guys is they want to be the, the camera yeah yeah and it's you know um if lost it for a second yeah so i was saying you know for guys who want to be camera guys and uh it I wouldn't trade my job for any job in the world. Yeah. Uh, but with that being said, I definitely don't get to hunt nearly as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's got its challenges whenever it comes to that, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a fine balance. We get to see, you know, we get to set under, you know, thousands and thousands of snow geese, you know, twirling over you and, um, you know, getting to see great dog work and you get to see elk bugling in your face. And, yeah. You know, giant white tails on the ground and everything else. Um, but like I was saying earlier, it's kind of hard to beat that going into the same duck hole you've been hunting for, you know, 18 years, shooting your limit of woodies and going to having business and gravy with your buddies and, and coming home. Definitely don't get to do that as much as I would like to anymore. So it's, there's a drawback to everything. Um, but like I said, I wouldn't change, you know, what we do for 
for any job in the world. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, and we get to, you know, spend time outside and, you know, meet some interesting and great people, you know, across the country and, uh, just see, see a lot of cool stuff. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, that's one of the cool things I feel like about being the cameraman is you get invited to be able to go on some cool, cool hunts and stuff like that. There's also your bad ones, but like if somebody wants to film something, it's usually something, something pretty cool if they want to film it. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially you get a call from, you know, a buddy of a buddy and he's like, dude, you got to come tomorrow. Uh, um, you know, it's, it should be pretty awesome. And, uh, so yeah, there's definitely, definitely perks to it for sure. Um, you know, a buddy of mine, he had found, you know, this big goose feed for here, you know, it was a couple hundred birds. I think it had like three or 400 birds in it. Yeah. And he calls me and he's like, dude, you got to come film some of this stuff on, on the red tomorrow. He's like, it's going to be insane. Yeah. Lot lost you there for a second. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> no, I was saying, you know, a buddy of mine, he asked me to, you know, go on this goose hunt with them. They had this big feed that they had found. And uh and so go and shoot some stuff on the red and uh knock that out and then last, you know, two or three groups, you know, get to pick up the shotgun, hop in the layout and and shoot into those. So there's definitely you definitely have some extra uh, pull whenever it comes to to cameras if if you can film some stuff for some guys and uh you know get them you know a lot of guys just like to see see themselves shooting geese or seeing geese yeah. you know um you know falling out of the sky or you know all cupped up and and coming in and or whatever it may be you know seeing their dog work but uh even that stuff i really don't get to do much of that anymore but um but there's definitely perks to been able to run a camera for sure yeah oh absolutely and i mean i don't want to run you too much longer um yeah i know that you're probably busy and stuff but i uh i want to say thanks so much for coming on that was awesome oh yeah no i it's been a it's been a blast thanks thanks for having me we're definitely gonna have to do another episode or it doesn't uh break up as much but because i mean there is still so much i'd love to ask you but we're running on a time where usually people stop and drop listening so <laughs> yeah like yeah n- no worries we can uh you know i'll hop back on uh you know anytime uh that i'm able to so just uh let me know yeah maybe we uh try to figure something out like once things start to slow down a little bit maybe in like february or some just talk about some of the work you've been doing lately yeah yeah Fe- all that february and um february and march are uh, are really good. April, like I said, you know, we're normally smashing turkeys in the month of April. Yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, you know, February, March, that'd be, that'd be great. Killer. Nick, you're the man. I appreciate you jumping on. again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. We'll talk with you later and, uh, good luck on all your trips you got going on. All right, man. I'll be in touch. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Bye. See you.